Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 100. This is Edwin Ariabe from Skyline Security. And guys, if you want to build your people skill, you have to listen to my man, Travis Chappell, at the Build Your Network podcast. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co slash alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Edwin Aroyave. In 1999, Edwin and a partner opened up a security business that expanded as far as Puerto Rico. And in 2004, he opened up his own business, Skyline Security Management Incorporated, of which he is now the CEO. Guided by Edwin, Skyline continues to see double-digit growth, tripling the number of installs in just the last seven years and expanding to 32 states. Inc. Magazine named it one of the 5,000 fastest-growing 
selling companies in 2014, 15, and 16. Edwin was just named one of the top 20 under 40 for Security System News in 2014 and is a member of the Bel Air chapter of the Young Presidents Organization. He lives in Los Angeles with his wife and his three children. Edwin, thanks so much for coming to the show today, brother. Really excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and take a second to expound on that intro just a tad and then tell us what you're most excited about right now. Yes. Yeah, so what I'm most excited right now really is our, our industry. I, I think our industry is hotter than it's ever been. You know, I'm in the smart home protection industry, otherwise known as home automation, the internet of things. Again, I own a professional sales service and installation company for home automation and home security that's now come, become smart home. It's now become the internet of things. And what's great about it, it's only 2% of people right now have home automation. And obviously wow. that number is going to grow quite a bit in the next 10 years. And that's why I think you see all these big players like Amazon trying to get into our industry. I look at it like it's the next luxury industry that is going to turn into a necessity. And what that mm. means is no matter how broke you are, you will have home automation, right? So uh, similar to cell phones in the late 80s, early 90s, only rich people had them, affluent people had them. And now no matter how broke you are, you can go jobless for six months, you have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Same cable, same thing with internet. And this is the next industry that's doing that, where it's, it's been around for 20 years. People have had home automation, but it's only been available for, to the affluent. And now it's going to go to the masses. And I'm just excited about really hitting my stride I feel like I've been doing this 19 years, but I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm in a situation where I can really take advantage. I'm probably more excited now than I was back in 1999 when I first started the company. Yeah. The reason why is because back in 1999, you know, I loved the money I made that year, but I, I wasn't sure if I could make this a career. I didn't know if it was going to last that long. And obviously now I'm just like, well, you could more, yeah, I mean, this is more than a career. We could leave a legacy behind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many cool things about the alarm industry that I like, and that's actually background that I share with you and very small uh, sampling of what you've been able to accomplish in your career, Edwin. But that's one of the things that drew me to you. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to get you on the show was that I've heard your name for the last few years because I was doing door-to-door security sales, which you and I kind of talked about when we were able to finally meet in person at 10X GrowthCon a few weeks back. I know that that's how, base, that's how Skyline really started was in door-to-door. And that's what really intrigues me because I know how difficult it is to really start and build door-to-door sales teams and actually see it grow and not just grow in a certain localized area, but now you've been able to grow it successfully into over 30 states now. Talk to me about what that process really looked like. Like, How much energy and effort did it take on your part to be able to build a successful successful sales team that way? Yeah, well, I think the, you know, it was a process. The first 10 years that I did it, I wasn't sold on the industry. Again, I did it because I love the money in it. Mm-hmm. Um, great money, but I didn't really see myself doing it for the rest of my life. And because of that, I think I didn't really grow. The fr- I mean, don't get me wrong. We started doing really well. We started doing, you know, 200 to 250 accounts a month, which is in our industry considered doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. But I sort of plateaued. I never, for 10 years, I got stuck there. And I was going door to door myself, training one guy at a time, one guy became two, then two became four, then eight. And then obviously we have a bunch now, but I didn't grow because again, I wasn't sold on it. And I kept 
it's funny because I was making money, but I was, I kept trying to invest in things that I didn't know anything about. And of course I kept losing money doing it. <laughs> and finally, you know, 10 years later, my girlfriend, who's now my wife says to me, how come you don't invest back into the one thing that you do know about the only thing that you know about, which is the alarm industry. I see you invest in all these little things you have no idea on yet. You don't invest in the one thing that you do know about. And I always invested in my sales teams, but I never invested in the operations Hmm. to grow that big organization because I was always, I was kind of operating in um, scarcity mode where it was like a shortage of success kind of way where I was just trying to save as much money so one day I could do what I really wanted to do. And I've always said, the more you try to save money, the more you lose it some other way, right? Because you're so afraid of, can you make that money again? So it wasn't until 2009 that my wife said that. And it also, you know, another thing that, that kind of slowed me down those first 10 years was I never saw anyone doing bigger things than me. Like I was, I had my little niche and I never surrounded myself with people that were doing better in my industry. So all I saw was myself and I was the number one guy. Yeah. So I just... The big fish in the small pond. Yeah, I didn't see any growth. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't in 2009, the company that we were doing business with, which was a company called Counterforce USA, stopped their dealer program. And that forced me to go with a company called Monotronics. And there I started seeing some big fish finally. (laughs) Guys that were doing a thousand a month. I saw guys that were doing 5,000 a month. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah. And one thing I've always said in my life has always been, you know, if those guys can do it, there's no reason why I can't do it. And then I just started thinking bigger. It starts with that. You've got to think bigger. I wasn't thinking bigger those first 10. I mean, I was thinking big, but just not to this, to another level. So that's why I'm kind of bringing that part up. So I wasn't thinking big enough. I finally started thinking big enough. And then I started investing back into the organization. I, I brought in a CFO. And that was a little hard because I was like, man, I'm going to have to fork out 150 grand. Like, yeah, yeah. sorry for that. Like, uh, you know, it's still that small mind way of thinking. And then finally, I was just like, you know what? I need to grow this thing. Let's do it. Let's bring in the CFO. Then we went from six office employees to 50. And then I left the field. So the first 10 years, I left the field. And the reason I never left the field is because I love the money I was making. But mm-hmm. you leave the field, you kind of go through a process where you don't make the same amount of money. You make less money for about a year and a half to two years. Yeah, yeah. Right? But then I started focusing more on, on growing it, the operations. And I, I was always like, I used to love the field. Yeah, yeah. So, but I left the field, focused on the operations, and wanted to build a strong foundation so that then I could really grow and bring the sales. And then from then, we just we started growing. Yeah, and it's been a, a bunch of growth since then is what it seems like, <laughs> almost almost on a, just a, on a completely different level from the time that you've taken yourself out of that. How important do you think that is as a business owner to be able to take yourself out of a lot of the processes so that you can focus on the long-term vision of the company? Well, even though I took myself out of the field, to this day, I'm very involved with the sales guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that separates us from a lot of companies is that even though we've grown to the size that we are now, I'm an accessible owner. If there's something wrong, somebody just needs to text me mm-hmm. and I like to be well informed. But it was important for me to get out and focus on the operation. I think the one thing for me was investing back into the organization because now I had forked out 150 grand for the CFO. I now had instead of six office employees, I went to 50. 
So now I made a commitment. I invested big time. Mm -hmm. And that in a way forced me to really work my butt off and go make it happen because I had just committed a bunch of money into growing. And I think what happens with a lot of people is a big secret to my success is I commit before I actually have it. So like in our world, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I want to be a manager or I want to be an owner one day, whatever. Mm -hmm. But most people want to manage a team and they wait till they hire eight people to buy a minivan and they, they'll never buy it, right? right. What should be done is you buy the minivan, you commit. Mm -hmm. Once you commit, now you have to go get those eight people because you know you're paying 800 bucks. You spent the money. <laughs> I spent 400, 800 bucks a month. I better make use of this. Mm. Fast forward to 2014, same thing. I, we bought a new building for our company. I, I spent two and a half million. Then I spent another 500 making it look nice. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, kind of built it and they will come kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then it just forced me to work that much harder. Hmm. Kind of um, like built-in accountability factors that you keep yourself accountable by making yourself take action on a bigger level than you would have before, basically. Exactly. And that's always been big for me. That's always been something that I've always done. But in order to do that, you have to believe in yourself. You have to realize that you can bring in the people. For me, that's always huge. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that belief in yourself come from? It's a great question. So I think it starts, for me, it started at a young age. You know, I remember my, my mother was just always, I was blessed in the, from where I was a little kid. She would always tell me, I, I have greatness in me. I have greatness in me. And that's huge, right? Those just little words that you tell a kid. And that's why I tell everybody, if you have kids, you got to tell them how great they are. So they can start, you know, believing that. My mom would always say, you're going to be something big one day. And obviously where I grew up, that was huge because I, I didn't have, I kind of had humble beginnings. I was born in Bogota, Colombia. Okay. So from when I was a little boy, my parents would come to the U.S. for work. And finally, about the age of six, my parents decided to bring my older sister and I to the United States for a better opportunity. And, you know, as soon as I came to the U.S., man, it was a total dream. It was exactly how I thought it would be. We came to this beautiful home and this huge pool. That's all I remember. But, you know, that didn't last too long. Two weeks after coming to the U.S., I was sitting in my living room with my mother and sister and some friends, and I hear the doorbell ring. And as I go get the door, as I go answer it, the door is getting kicked down, and it's, it's law enforcement. And they got guns drawn, and they're basically pushing me to the side, and they're raiding the house. Oh, and, wow. And they're arresting my mother and dad. So, you know, from there, my mom and dad both went to jail. Mom got acquitted three months after. My dad got acquitted eight months after. But then every year after that, our house was pretty much getting raided. And then wow. when I was 10 years old, our house got raided again. And this time, my dad was put away for some time. And wow. dad and I had a conversation, which was, you need to become you know, the man of the house now. You're, you're the, my older sister was already had a boyfriend and was not living at the house. So he said, you got to take care of your mom. You got to, and at this point I had a little brother and sister and he says, you got to take care of your brother. You got to take care of your little sister. And that stuck to me. Always respected my dad because he always just took care of everyone, whether it was us, whether it was his family back in Colombia, his parents, his brothers. So I had big respect for him. And then unfortunately when he went in, my mom ran out of money in about a two and a half year span. 
And we were so broke that we had to move to Southeast LA, which is a city called Huntington Park, which mm-hmm. is Borders Compton to give you an idea of where it is. And we were so broke that we rented an apartment and there was 12 people living in it. Wow. So us four in a little bedroom and then, you know, four people in another bedroom, four people in another bedroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, those were, you know, tough times, but I think it made me who I am today. I think when you get a taste of the good life and granted that wasn't the way to do the good life because we, you know, unfortunately have done it illegally and but then it just totally gets taken away it's like i lived both sides of that right yeah right. as a kid i had whatever i wanted and then as a teenager from 11 to you know 16 i mean we couldn't even afford shoes my little brother and sister didn't really have i mean we, we were on welfare barely had enough money to get them clothes and stuff so wow. i wanted to just get a job as soon as possible because i wanted to help out the family And then at 15 years old, I was lucky enough to get a job as a telemarketer, basically selling long distance over the phone. (laughs) I was so excited about having a job that I just worked my butt off. And by the time I was 18, I became a general manager and I was in charge of about 40 people. But more importantly, I had become the right-hand man of the VP of sales. Okay. And then I think to one of your points, how important is it? You know, I think you asked me earlier. And luckily, I made quite an impression on that guy. And uh, when I was 21 years old, he came to me and said, hey, I have this opportunity. I'm going to resign and I'm going to start this alarm company. And I want you to come with me and and help me start it. And he says to me, you know, I can't guarantee you the $70,000 a year that you make here because I was already making good money at 21. Yeah, yeah. And he says, but if you make this work, you can possibly double, triple, quadruple what you make here. And the first thing I thought, so I always tell people, my successes come from common sense and drive. Like those two things. Yeah. So common sense told me, this guy's making 250 grand a year. If he's going to resign, he must be pretty serious about what he's talking about. Right, right. Second thing I thought was, man, if this guy is willing to teach me how to start a company from the ground up, then this is my shortcut to college because I never went to college. In fact, in high school, I graduated with a 1.8 GPA. Mm. And uh, now a lot of that, not to make excuses, because I was working at 15, I'd get off at like three and wouldn't come back to 11. So I was more just focused on work. But school was just not my thing. And I thought this would be my shortcut to college if this guy was willing to teach me. And then the third thing for me that was big was I was always a big dreamer. And you know, when we lived in that little apartment, Every time I'd go to bed, I was like, I literally would have this $100,000 number in my head. Yeah, yeah. Just every night I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make a hundred grand a year. As soon as I get a chance to work, I'm going to make a hundred grand a year. And I was also that kid that at 16 years old, I would ditch school. I would leave in the fifth grade. I had this like beat up Nissan Sentra and I would go to Beverly Hills and I'd go window shopping. And then I'd drive around all of the houses around Beverly Hills and I'd be like, someday I'm going to live here. I want my house to be on the hill. I want it overlooking the city. And now thinking back, you know, it's funny. I heard Ed Milet talk the other day and he's talking about touching the dream. You got to touch the dream once in a while. And that's exactly what I was doing. Who else did I? Tim Story was talking about how you have to be exposed mm, to yeah. a- lifestyle. And, you know, thinking back at my life now, I'm like, that's exactly what I did. I exposed myself to a better life. I was like, whoa, I want to live on this side of town. Right, right. In these kind of restaurants, I want to dress like that. 
you yeah. know, drive that kind of car. Yeah. I want to drive those kind of cars. So back to where I was at, third thing was that I was this dreamer and I knew that I wanted to provide a certain lifestyle for my family, which was at the time, my mom, brother, sister, my dad, at this point, I was taking care of him in Colombia. I've been taking care of him since he went back to Colombia since I, I turned 18. Okay. So I knew that the only way I was going to get those dreams was if I got out of my comfort zone and I did something totally different. Because if I can, again, common sense, if I continued doing what I was doing, I wasn't going to make more than 70 grand a year. Right. Right. And it was going to take years before I was able to make more. And I wanted to make money now. And I, it's funny enough, this is exactly what I thought. I thought so at this point, I didn't live in Huntington Park. I lived in Southgate okay, in a nicer area, nicer neighborhood. But just to give you an idea, from Southgate, Watts is still about a mile away. Okay. And I thought to myself, if I fail, I lose this job that's paying me 70 grand a year and I end up in Watts. Watts, Southgate, not that big of a difference. <laughs> yeah. Look at it that way, right? Yeah. I make it, and I make it to where I always wanted to be, which one when I was 16, you know, that's worth the risk. And I'm able to take care of my mom because my mom's dream was to buy a house and all that, to always have her own house. Mm -hmm. I was able to do that for her at 21. So, wow, that's awesome. That's kind of how I got started. It was a long answer for you, but a lot of your question, I know part of it was what made me believe in myself. Yeah. I think little successes that I was having at an early age, whether it was my mom put me in sports all the time. So I'd succeed in that, even though I was never the best at it, I would just kind of work hard and end up as a starter. So little successes there. When I started at the phone company, even though I was the youngest, I got my promotions and, you know, little victories like that. Yeah. Start believing in yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, so I always say, as long as you work hard, you're going to get results. And if you get results, you're going to get confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Results give you the confidence, right? Love that. Yeah. But again, as long you have to work at it. And I was never the smartest. I always outworked everybody. And because of that, I started getting results. And because of that, I started getting confidence. And then I call it, you got to believe. So I had to believe I was worth a hundred grand a year. Hmm. So the reason I quit that job was because I was getting paid 70 grand a year, but I felt like I was worth a hundred grand a year. And even if that industry failed, mm -hmm. I was always going to be worth a hundred grand a year. Hmm. I just moved to the next industry and be worth a hundred grand a year. Now, obviously the more results you get, the more you think you're worth. Then I was right. like, I'm worth 500 grand a year. Then it's like, I'm worth a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. I'm worth 10 million. I'm worth 100 million. And you just keep growing that way. Yeah, yeah. So much about what you just said, but especially the whole way to grow your confidence. And the bottom line is, it's not the sexiest answer. You know what I mean? Like, the word consistency isn't a sexy answer, but that's the number one thing that builds confidence that I've seen in my life is, and basically from that entire story, from what you're saying, it sounds like you've seen that in your life too, is that you were consistent and consistent and consistent. You were working and working and working. When other people weren't, you were. And so when you start to see those results from the effort that you're putting in over time, then that's only going to build and build and build your self-confidence and your belief in yourself. And if you believe in yourself, then it's so much easier to get other people to believe in you and to build that team and to build that vision over the long term. So man, so much awesome stuff there, Edwin. Let's go ahead and move on the conversation to talk a little bit about networking before we take off here. And the question I always ask everybody to get it started off, and I kind of were talking about this before we hit the record button, is do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Yeah, I think they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I definitely think 
who you know is important. And I think you have to hang out with people that are doing better than you. In fact, even till now, I get out of my comfort zone and I like to hang out with people that do way better than me. Mm-hmm. It makes me realize that there's so much more to grow. But it also, you know, you get mentored and from you start taking pieces of everybody. And, you know, you got to humble yourself, right? Which is key because a lot of people just want to be that big fish, right? And want to hang out with people that are just going to tell you yes all the time because it's comfortable. But I think, it, you know, you have to get out of that comfort zone and hang out with people that do very well. You mentioned earlier, I belong to this thing called the Young Presidents Organization. And it's essentially like a fraternity for multi, multi millionaires, billionaires. You know, some of us that are in this organization own billion dollar companies. Wow. We meet once a month for four hours a day. And we're, we talk about life experiences and we don't necessarily give each other advice. We give each other our experiences in certain, whether it's life, family, or whether it's business or whether it's fitness or whether it's love, you know, whatever. So success will naturally bring, you know, money attracts money. Yeah. And if you have a good success record, and you've worked with integrity and people know what you're all about, people are going to want to do business with you. And it's always good to hang out with those people because eventually you might do business with them. That's the importance of, you know, they say money makes money. I mean, it takes money to make money. And that's kind of a good illustration. You need to have a why. And I think if you have a why, then the what will come naturally, right? So, you know, for me, I've had many whys. My first why, my first real, real why that just, I think, made me who I am today was, I made a promise to my mother that I was going to buy her a house. You know, when I first started knocking on doors, well, first of all, for the first 10 days, I absolutely sucked. I couldn't sell (laughs) that, but I sucked. I sucked because I never studied the material. Yeah. Yeah. I'd become so good at the phone company that I kind of got a little big on my head and I thought Mm. that I could just go in there and wing it. And what I always tell people as well is ignorance gives you fear. When you don't know about something, you're going to be scared. Mm. And as I didn't know, I'd never studied my material. When I was going up to the doors, people could see the fear in my face. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was going to say. So, of course, they would attack me. So I always give the analogy of like, if you're a basketball player, I play a lot of basketball. And if you see someone can't handle the ball, you're going to go and you're going to rip them. Right. You know, you're a quarterback and you look scared, you're going to get blitzed. Right you're a boxer and you look scared, you're going to get bum rushed. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I came back because I knew what the problem was. The problem was I didn't study. And all I did that weekend was study my material. I came back with so much knowledge and knowledge gives you confidence. Hmm. So now I knew my stuff. And I went to the door with so much confidence. All of a sudden, nobody's slamming the door on me because I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You command that presence. Like you command that somebody needs to give you the respect to listen to you, basically. Exactly. And that comes from knowing your stuff, right? Yeah. You're selling yourself that you know everything, right? Right. So I was able to get five deals in one day. Oh, nice. I made 1500 bucks in one day and I couldn't sleep. I was like, man, imagine if I could do this every day. Yeah. And so that same weekend, I went to an open house. And even though I didn't have the money, I was like... I'm a homeowner. I belong in a home and I'm worth a hundred grand. So even though I don't have it right now, I'm still going to go look for a house. And when I went to go look for a house, it gave me a roadmap of what I needed to do. So the real estate agent basically says to me, well, you need to come up with $12,000 and then your payment's going to be 1400 bucks a month. I'm like 1400 bucks a month. I make that in a day. 
Yeah. And then I, it was all about saving the 12 grand. So then I came back and I did simple math. I said, my bills were at 4,000 a month. So I need to make a thousand bucks a week to pay my bills, another thousand bucks a week to pay the IRS and savings. And then the other thousand bucks a week was going to go for my mom's house. Then I grabbed my mom and I drove her and I said, mom, this house is going to be yours in 90 days. And if it's not this one, it's going to be something similar in this neighborhood. And her dream was always to live in Downey, California. So now I had a roadmap. I needed to make three grand a week for the next 12 weeks. That was my why, mm-hmm. which meant I need to do eight to 12 deals a week. And that why was so strong. There was so many times that I wanted to quit yeah. that I kept going. I can't tell you how many times I got to do at 1030 at night. And because of that, because of that result, I got confidence. So again, if you Someone that started with me, who was maybe way more talented than I was, because I outworked him, my confidence went here, but he doesn't stay here. He actually drops. And then the next day, same thing again. And then the next day, same thing again. And the next right. day, all of a sudden, there's this separation. And then people ask, well, why is that guy that was way more talented? How did Edwin end up here? Mm-hmm. Really, I would say it's almost like I tricked myself into success because if you don't have a why, then you'll only work enough. Your why becomes your bills. Hmm. So if your bills are only two grand a month, then as soon as you make two grand, then you chill for the next three weeks. Yeah, so true. Yep. Start again, right? But what I did is I knew I needed to get this house. So like the day I got five deals that week, I ended up with 12, which I think I made like five grand in one week. And I think if I wouldn't have had the why, my urgency wouldn't have been the same the next week. I would have been a little more chill and I would have let that fire run out. Yeah. Instead, I was like, nope, I need, that's only one week. I need to do it for 12 weeks. And every time I wanted to quit, I would just picture my mom's face, you know, when just, when she used to have to clean offices and, you know, bring up the buckets of water up the stairs. And I used to have to help her. And, and I used to think of like her sweating because we couldn't afford air conditioning in the car because the car was so old. Mm. And I remember her crying. And then I remember her trying to do door to door and she was just not very good at it and everything that she did for us. And I was like, man, I got to get her that house. And that's what kept me out there. And because I had that, eventually I did it for 12 weeks straight. It became a habit. Mm. So then it just results, right? Then my confidence just skyrocketed. And then I hit that goal, that why, and then as soon as I got that goal, then there was the next goal. And then it was, it was oh, to this day, there's always goals. If you're not accomplishing something, for, at least for me, I sort of get depressed. <laughs> I got yeah. to be productive. Yeah. I yeah. tell people that even if it's when you first wake up, man, just do your bed. Do something productive and it already make, starts making you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And there's so many studies on that too. I think Lewis House wrote a great book called Millionaire Morning and he breaks down a couple of those things. But I think there's literally a whole book of called Make Your Bed, if I'm not mistaken. But it talks about, it just puts you in the habit of being productive basically as soon as you wake up. But man, Edward, there's so many awesome things that we talked about so far today. We got to get moving here into the last segment so we can let you go. And this is the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Let's do it. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? I think real estate for me. I think, well, real estate and I think I'm already kind of doing it right now, but you know, I always thought something in the entertainment like acting and you know, now we're on the show Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's gotten me out of my comfort zone. (laughs) Uh, I always talk about 
getting out of your comfort zone. And I can tell you that for me was getting out of my comfort zone because I'm not a camera person, but I always <laughs> wanted to do kind of deep down. Right, right. So, you know. Yeah, awesome. That would be my answer to like acting stuff on film. And yeah. Yeah, that, I think that'd be really cool. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Kobe Bryant. Mm. I just love how competitive he was. I love his work ethic. I think the most, the thing that I'm most impressed of is I remember his rookie year when he airballed four shots in a row. And I remember watching that game going, man, he's never going to come back from this, man. His confidence. (laughs) And then the next year he just came back shooting even more, you know, and you know, that's a good example. I I love using this analogy because eventually if you shoot enough, some are going to go in. And when they go in, now the results, confidence. Yeah, yeah. Shooting. Most people would have never shot after that. Right. I would have never shot after that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, man, he kept going. And same thing with knocking doors. You know, you get, you know, people tell you no, no, no. You just keep knocking, 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 knocking. Eventually someone says yes. Right, right. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? So funny. One of my biggest regrets is the first six years... So I started working at the phone company when I was 15. I, mean, mm-hmm. I was there from 15 to 21 years old. This company would make a study for an hour a day before we hit the phones. And it was all about self-development and, and studying, right? Mm-hmm. Working on our brain. And those six years, I think, made me who I was today. But the mistake I made is after I started my own business, I stopped studying. And literally, I just started last month, believe it or not. And I've been doing study time for an hour. You know, I've been doing audiobooks now, some video stuff that I've been doing on MentorBox, which I really like. And I've been sort of on fire since then, because I don't know who said this, but if you don't do something, if you stop doing something, you start to dislike it. And I stopped studying for so long that I started disliking it. I was like, oh, you know, fitness, total difference, right? I've been going to the gym since I was 18. I don't even think of like, Oh, I have to go to the gym. It's just natural. Hmm. Now, for the you know the last thirty days, I've been hitting these books hard, man, and I'm like, right. I'd probably be a billionaire right now, hmm. because what happens is you start doubt starts to set in. Like when we made so 2016, we made 37 million as a company in, in total revenue, and doubt started to set in. It's like you can't take it to 100 million. You can't take it to a billion dollars. You didn't even go to school. You're not smart enough. And now that I'm like got my game back on this, I'm like, man. That was all BS. Yeah, yeah. Fine, or else those doubts will start taking over. Considerations, I call them. They're the little voices that try to bring you down. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. That's so true. All day long. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. So I get up around 4.30 in the morning. Now that I'm doing my study time, I study from 5 to 6. Then I do a fitness class at 6.15 called Barry's Boot Camp. Okay. It's an hour class. I'm out of there by 7.15. By 7.30, I'm here with the kids, play with them for about 45 minutes before they go to school. Then I jump in the shower. I eat breakfast. I'm usually working by 8.30. Then I go from 8.30 to 11 a.m. from home, wait till traffic goes down. Not that traffic ever goes down in L.A. Mm -hmm. From 11 to 12, I do all my phone calls as I'm driving to the office. Then I go from 12 to 7.30 at the office. Uh, 7.30, do another hour call with whoever I need to call. Get home around... 8.15, 8.30, 8.15, 8.30, see the kids for 30 minutes, go to bed. Awesome. What is your go-to pump-up song? Man, I have so many. I have this EDM song. Oh, Tiesto. Something by Tiesto. Anything by Tiesto is good anyway. So <laughs> what are you not very good at, Edwin? 
I suck at being a handyman. <laughs> to this day, I don't know yeah. how to hire. <laughs> Perfect. As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? So my Instagram is at Tedwinator. Okay. So T-E-D and then Win, Tedwinator. I used to share it with my wife, but now it's just my own. Now she's kind of a big thing now. So she's got her own little Instagram at Teddy Mellencamp. So now I kept the Ted Winator. And then join Skyline.com. Perfect. Perfect. So if you want to see more of Edwin, head over to Instagram, or you can just go to joinskyline.com to learn more about his company. Edwin, thanks so much for coming to the show today, man. I had a blast chat with you. Awesome. Thank you, Travis. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.